I want to make a positive impact in the world. I want people to remember how I made them feel and hopefully that was always better. We're joined by Beth Crucian today, who is the organisational development lead at Veolia. This is a fantastic conversation in which Beth shares with us why you can't talk about values without talking about purpose, how the business is embedded collective and honest conversations, and why they've recently started their own podcast to improve their communication with employees. Enjoy the episode. Beth, delighted to have you on the Happy Workplace Project today. Thanks very much for joining us. I wondered if we could start by understanding the journey that you've taken to get to where you are today and the role that you're doing at Veolia. The journey that I've been on, I started the world of working recruitment. I went to go to university. I wanted to be a nurse. Very long story short. Then got into uni, realised I'm absolutely petrified of blood. Couldn't do that. (laughs) Went into a recruitment agency because I thought I need to figure out what I need to do. They offered me a job to work for them and then I just stayed in recruitment. Like that's how that started. Fantastic. And then I, you know, down the line where I currently work now were one of my customers. So I used to, from an agency perspective, supply staff to them. I started to understand their culture, get to know you know, what they were, who they were as an organisation, and then they invited me to go and work internally for them. Wow. I started with Veolia in their recruitment team, and then I got to know all the different operational business parts with it being such a huge organisation. And then I've just had loads of opportunities there where I've moved from starting in-house recruitment, work with all the different business units, then moved into learning and development because that's where my passion was. And then we started an organisational development team and I was in the inception of that and this is where I currently am now. Fantastic. So could you tell us a bit about the culture at Veolia, maybe the words that you'd use to describe it, the feelings that you get from working there? So I can speak on behalf of myself and I meant Veolia is a huge organisation. And because it's so big, it's like there's businesses or teams within teams there but overall if I had to describe the feeling that I have there it's very it's passionate. Veolia everybody who I meet that works at Veolia is very passionate very focused on finding solutions very customer focused to help find solutions around sustainability and environmental concepts and from that that's where that passion comes from that drive, that innovation, like doing the right thing. So could you talk to us a bit about what the values are within Veolia and how they live across the organisation and are embedded? Firstly, what our values are. We have five values at Veolia. Our values are innovation, respect, responsibility, customer focus and community spirit. And when I'm talking about where our values came from, with Veolia being a global organisation, they are that the the values are designed. They're derived at a group level, but thoughtfully, you know, thought of and created, and, and why they are our values. There's a lot of time that goes into that that wider, you know, global perspective. What we then do, and I'm I'm going to refer to us as a zone. So we call each country a zone. We then have those values. They they were redefined back in 2020, like the year, you know, 
I'm not even going to re- remind you like what <laughs> happened in that year, but they were redefined in 2020. And then we, as a zone, we took those values and we have been doing constant work to not just have them as posters on a wall, but to really make sure that they are aligned to our specific business unit and the solutions and the services that we offer, making them really relatable and understandable to our people. How we did that was we asked our leadership level to who, who know the business, who know our people, to dis, to break down under these values that are so important to us, that are re- really relevant to the business that we have. What do those behaviours in action actually look like? What do we expect? Our values are what we expect. It's how we expect our people to behave. We want to see that from every level, every role within the organisation. But we need people to actually understand, well, what do we mean by that? So it was, you know, under our value, this is the behaviour we do expect to see. And actually, these are the values that we, the behaviours under this value that we don't want you to see. And if you, if we see that, you know, we want to create that culture where we call it out because that's what we hold dear. That's our moral compass. That's something that we've all collectively got in common. And we're constantly working at evolving to make sure that they're embedded so it's not just you know we're measuring people's performance on you you hit all your sales targets or you've achieved all your KPIs it's actually let's start to have those conversations around you you showed this behavior you you achieved x but you did that through this behavior so there's been a lot of time process changes you know the symbols that you want to see embedding the values into the organization and we can see it we can see the the you know the tangible change and awareness and connectivity to them do you measure those then so you know you mentioned you can see it what what kind of mechanisms are you using to to be able to see the effect that it's having yeah so every year you know like in an organization you have like your yearly check-in i mean it's more it's much more than that it's like team dependent but your yearly you check in you know how have you achieved your objectives this year and historically that's been did you achieve these this percentage of you know that objective that you had or those two three four objectives this was the first year I say this like the the back end of last year was the first year where additional to our objectives and did you know what did you achieve that 30 percent like against that objective for example we actually measured every employee and had that conversation around how did you achieve against the, the values what, were the, what was your behaviour that we've observed? You achieved that, but how did you do that? Brilliant. Was it in line with customer focus? Did we see that you were taking responsibility for your actions or responsibility for coming up for new, with new ideas under innovation? And what were those innovations? So, you know, we've got to like walk the walk with it and we're seeing that and, and being able to help our people really connect to, you know, not just thinking about KPI, but thinking about consciously aware of the behaviours that they're doing. Yeah, and I think that probably leads me on to the next question, which is to talk a bit about the purpose of the organisation, because everything that you've described there sounds like it's driving individual purpose. So perhaps if we start with understanding what Veolia stands for, and then how that is made to be embedded across the, the layers of the business. Okay, like I completely agree that you can't talk about values without talking about purpose or vice versa you can't talk about purpose without talking about values from my lens from you know I focus on culture so 
we do are you aware of Simon Sinek's The Golden Circle? Yes, like yeah. that's a concept that we've used because yeah. it's just it is so relevant, it's so important. So we have our values, our how, so how we get there. And you can look at it from like both different ends of the spectrum with our pur- our values being our how, purpose is our why we exist. So when you just said then, you know, values are somebody's personal purpose. I, be- I believe that everybody has their purpose and their values are their like moral compass or their belief system that helps them get to or work towards their purpose. And I'd say that that was the same in an organisation. You know, when you've got your defined, understood purpose, that like utopia, that peak of a mountain of what everybody's trying to achieve, everybody has insight into achieving that the values lead into that by going, okay, we know what we're trying to achieve. We've got that drive, that motivation to work towards that collective purpose. Our values is our beliefs that we have together to get there, like the how and the why. In what ways does that drive inclusivity within the business as well? When we're talking about our purpose and our purpose being, you know, ecological transformation, I want to put that out there. It's a really big, bold, amazing purpose or reason for existing the reason when you have that that defined understood that articulated purpose or reason for existing in the first place that will then in turn give everybody the opportunity no matter what role they are working in no matter what they're doing in their day-to-day and and the reason why I'm bringing this up is Veolia and I'm just talking about our zone, not globally, is so diverse. There is so many just different roles that you can be working in a team that is 24 hours a day. You can be working out on a field on your own at one of our customer sites. So you've not really seen anybody else from Veolia. We've just got every range of role that you can imagine. Wow. And when you give somebody that opportunity to be connected to the why, you know, the, the reason for existing, Everybody's got that opportunity to to be included in the decisions, understand where it is that we're going, have that space to then share their innovative ideas because we want to create like diverse ways of thinking and diverse ideas, new voices, new ideas. It's not always the same, you know, the same mind keep coming up with all the ideas. So it's all around bringing people together, driving that that golden thread throughout everybody in the roles that they do. I think I've got it. So what we're talking about here is really making decisions through the lens of, is this for the greater good? Yeah. Yeah. Taking that step back perspective is what we're doing, working towards that. And you just mentioned there the size, scale, scope of the business, the complexity of it. Are there or what feedback loops are there in place to ensure that that alignment remains? It's a journey. So like I said, the the values were created and then started to become familiar and we started to embed. That was 2020. Our defined purpose was 2020. So it's still, you know, it's still a new concept to really understand, embed, cascade. So what we've done on a more tangible level is give We've had to work strategically through the business to make sure that everybody has an understanding and and that opportunity to connect with it, with our purpose. And we've done that through, we do that through so many different mediums. We do it through, we've created a centralised intranet page for people who've got access to that, who are able to share ideas, to create 
those feedback loops, as you've said, you know, that two-way communication. We've provided tools. And when I say tools, like toolbox talks, like literally slideshows, toolbox talks for our, our frontline managers, our frontline leaders, because the majority of our business is out on the field. So they're not sitting in front of a computer. So we've created that space where our managers feel comfortable so then they can go and have those those verbal, like, communication communication loops and the spaces for people to to connect with it and feedback and have insight into what we're trying to do brilliant it's really impressive actually because i think it shows how much of a listening organization you are and when you think about employee engagement and the importance of people feeling that they're being listened to and heard and understood that can only be a, a powerful thing when it comes to retention mm-hmm. yeah what's the biggest challenge that you guys are facing at the moment so I would say the biggest challenge we have, not not necessarily at the moment, one of the biggest challenges, and I can only speak through my lens, like the work that I do and how I see the business and work there, because we are so large and complex and, you know, wonderfully diverse, cascading messages and effective communication, you know, right from we've got our, our leadership team or we have updates or we want to make sure everybody's kept in the loop with all the amazing things that are going on so people can then understand or empathise with, you know, where we're currently at as an organisation. But because we're so big, we do just have that real, you know, organic challenge of, of really effectively communicating with people. People have got different preference styles, like how they want to be communicated to. So it's, you know, when you've got so many people, how do you make sure that you're you're reaching out and you're doing that in a means that's relevant for everybody? And how are we, because there's always so many updates, because there's so many things going on, a lot of things can get lost, like really great things or new ways of working or ideas. There can be lots of things that are going on at one time that everybody isn't, hasn't got that opportunity to have that insight to. So communication, but effective communication. But I think that that's a, you know, most organisations that I speak to or colleagues that do similar to me in different organisations, they all feel that as well. Whenever I've seen employee engagement surveys run across a range of businesses, communications always coming through in some capacity. I'm really interested to understand what it is that you're doing from the perspective of improving communication. So what are the levers that are being pulled at the moment? We've actually started something within our organisation that's called Collective Honest Conversations. So it's an opportunity for for business units, and I'm saying business units, like the specific teams that work in there, to go through a a, a process where they have a collective honest conversation. We get individuals from the business units who work in in the business and can be in very different roles. They act as like reporters. They go out to collect feedback of what's going on. Wow. And then the leadership team of that business unit or team, they then hear what's being said. So then it's creating that feedback loop from such a wide network, a wide audience. So we we have that. And then from the back of there, it's like, okay, this is actually what's happening in our business. We have roadshows, purpose and values roadshows going on, something that the team that I work within and that I've been leading on for us to actually go out and spend time with our people. Like the other week I went, I was at site at four o'clock in the morning and I went and did a commercial round for eight hours with one of our teams and then spent time with the team, you know, asking them what's 
what's happening within the organisation, what's like, and we do this across many different sites and teams so we can then start to capture trends, themes, like successes and celebrate those and also challenges and is there a consistency? So we, we you know, try and communicate in that way. We've got a culture page that we've dedicated specifically. We have an intranet page with a team who's constantly dedicated to making sure that updates are on there. We have something called Veolia TV. So I was telling you that we don't have, you know, we have some people who haven't got email addresses, but instead in the spaces of their work and that could be uh, you know their break room or it can be the control room operation that there's a veolia tv in there so the key updates are shared like lots of operational organized teams we have toolbox talks so key updates i don't know if you, have you ever heard of toolbox no, I haven't. talks it's where consistently across a business our managers are then given an update for them to cascade in a very organic and authentic way to them to their team oh nice it, it will never end it always needs to evolve we need to be more innovative with it and we ask our people how do you want to communicate how do you want to be communicated to and honestly the answer most of the time is in person yeah i want to talk to somebody yeah i want to hear from them yeah we all know that from customer service experience as well yeah, don't we you just do. want to speak to a human yeah. It's like, you know, the bot can message back really yeah. quickly, but you're like, I just want to talk to a person. And I, and I think that that's the beauty of like human connection is people do just want to have a conversation. And we've also created our people podcast. Right. Um, so that's currently in in like pros, progress where we are creating a podcast, a space for all of our people. And I say all of our people for different roles, different different people who do different things within their day-to-day to come along and we just sit down and we have a very human conversation that relates back to why do they do the work that they do, what do they actually do, because even though we work for the same company, it's quite common that some people don't actually know we've got that part of the company or they don't know what that role actually means or what their day-to-day looks like or they might not even know what that specific operational element does so that's been wonderful because I've I'm hosting that so I've got to learn so many things where I'm like oh wow and you know the stories how long people have been here the impact that they've had and why they work here we're doing that so we can so anybody has the opportunity to listen they can log on their own you know phone if they're going for a walk or you know, if they're driving to work, they can listen to it through through Spotify or Google and so on. Just to try and make it accessible for everybody. I have to say, it's the first time that I've heard of an organisation running a podcast. And I think it is an, a fantastic innovation. So congratulations. And I hope it works really well for you. I'm sure it will. I mean, we're going to just practice patience with it and just like keep it out. And I want to get to the point where people are like, I really want to be on the podcast, you know, like really yeah. you know, for it. But I just think, why wouldn't you want to do a podcast now? Because you can carry on. You can like this, you can be working or driving yeah. and you can listen. And That's it. On you, your own terms, in yeah. your own time. Yeah. You've spoken a few times about how the business in 2020 rescoped and redefined its values. I'm wondering in what ways COVID and that year provoked innovation and evolution within the organisation. Yeah, oh, hugely. And I think I don't just speak on behalf of Veolia again. It catapulted people into, you know, things that they were probably planning that was, you know, flexi working or... 
IT or systems that was on a pathway, it just got propelled that actually we need to implement this immediately. So I can just speak from my experience. Again, in the role that I'm in, I can't talk so much operationally. I know lots of innovations were done there, but from a, from a cultural perspective, things that changed within Veolia was like flexi working. It was never it was never a thing. And then we did it and we managed to be productive and deliver. And I mean, you know, a, and a shout out to all, to Veolia colleagues in that time, they didn't stop. They provide a real fundamental service and they were having to go out there. So the business delivered and it, you know, delivered for customers who were having more manufacturing, like, you know, we can go and work on customer sites. Demand was going up. So our, it impacted our colleagues. Everything had a knock-on effect. So then they would find new ways of working. Again, things that they probably hadn't have experienced, but they didn't just react. It was what I saw was that there was a response in the organisation, a thoughtful response, where then those new ways of working have now been embedded. So lots of things changed, like future of working, things again that we were probably talking about, we started to implement. There are so many. I have to just say that they did it very thoughtfully. Like even if I think back to COVID and, you know, we were talking about communication and yeah. how important that is. Everybody was up to date with what was going on. There was so much time from our, our leaders in the organisation to make sure that we were all aware. And I think it made us, you know, both professionally but also personally because of what was going on, just feel very safe, very supported, very transparent. I think it's a really powerful way of doing it. I think the conversation that we had within our business at the time was that people are going to remember how you made them feel during this time. And if you guys have done that in a thoughtful and caring manner, making sure that you're proactive with the communications and inclusive in the yeah. approach, that's going to be remembered by employees for years mm -hmm. to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Could we take a forward view with the trajectory that the business is on at the moment, get some insight into what you think Veolia will look like in say five years time? Yeah. I mean, Veoli moved very quickly and it's very innovative and it, it is a solution provider because what Veolia does as an organisation and thinking back to its purpose, it's ecological transformation. So ultimately it's trying to create a more sustainable planet and we do that through working with our customers, we do that through working with local authorities. Veolia is committed to combating, working towards climate change. You've got a lot of companies who have got their net zero plans in place. We've, we've seen an increase in electric vehicles, but there's, there's still solutions that are needed for the recycling of the, electrical, the electric vehicles. There's all these elements, I think, are in discussion now, and they're, you know, or they're being worked upon, but we'll start to see that implementation in five years. We'll start to see more focus on agricultural projects, on uh, biodiversity, and how you know, Violi is helping companies in those spaces, as well as us doing that for ourselves. How exciting. So, who knows? I mean, like you look back in a year and see projects that have happened, but it's it's it has to be transformative. Sure. That that's why we you know we say this. It's not enough, and it can't be that we just react and we just you know transition and and move with the times. We need to be moving really quickly. So there's so many things in that space. Who knows? Five years, we'll link back in and it's be a long like, time in this day and age, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Can we pivot the conversation a little bit and talk about you for a while? So I'm really interested to understand a bit about your leadership style and how you go about your business. Yeah, so that's, a, and I find that a really interesting, fantastic question. And the reason why I say that is, 
I'm interested to hear what your definition of leadership is. Good question. So I always view the work of a leader as being somebody that operates in a way that helps others to achieve more, to have stronger and, and better belief systems, and as a result, hopefully drive a better quality of results, regardless of what their job title is. So I don't think it matters as to whether they're a director or sitting, you know, in the first tier of the organisation. Yeah. So that would be my definition. I love that. And I, I just wanted to know, yeah. and, and, and because I absolutely agree with you, I think people or historically maybe we're hung upon, you know, a leader is, a, it's a title and you hold this title and you need to have a team underneath where we're on the same page, like le- <laughs> leadership, because Ultimately, in my role, I don't have direct reports. I'm yeah. out there in the business. But I know that I have a leadership style in terms of like helping people to think differently, encouraging people. My leadership style is very inclusive. Like I, I, I want to I want people to always feel heard. And I believe that everybody's voice should be heard. So it's very democratic. You know, are we are we making sure that everybody has a space to talk? I would also say, and I'm not saying this about myself, but I like people to like feel like they've had value add if they've like spent time with me or inspired because I will share like my vulnerabilities, and I'm not frightened to say that I really struggled with something because. We do, we're humans. And I find that that then creates a safe space for people to know that they can do the same. They can share that, we can talk about it, we can learn from it. So my leadership style is, it's very much, you know, I got you, I'm by your side. But then I can also be, you know, if I need to be like more direct, if somebody wants that. But ultimately it's just seeing people for who they are as individuals. I think that that's how we get the most out of people for recognizing that that everybody brings something and everybody has got potential and it's how we accept and and we help to bring that out by understanding who they are. And what are the values then that have underpinned this way of thinking and acting? My values changed recently because of of life experiences. Again, I'm I'm a sharer and my value, my number one value is integrity. Like that is my number one value is that I, I want people to know that if I have said something, if you're not looking, I, I am doing that. I am doing the right thing. Not doing that, I'm doing the right thing for me and in turn to make sure that, that people can trust me. I start with myself. Like I, I do that for myself and I think that that's really important to build effective relationships. And I'm talking about me like personally and you know, I take that into work. Integrity is key integrity then it built it fosters yeah everything is everything. born out of integrity really, isn't it yeah so that's that is my number one and again like going back to how that links to the leadership style is making sure that people have that that they feel that they can do the same thing or you know behavior breeds behavior that inspires people to do the same thing so integrity and then it's like I'm not saying it, but they're probably cliches like trust and truth, always being honest, kindness. Like, I just, life's too short. Like, let's be kind to one another. Let's listen to one another. Yeah, like you mentioned it earlier, people don't really remember what you said. They remember how you make people feel. But you need to be authentic. Like, it's not a hat that you put on. It's really, really understanding, you know, your own values and making sure that you're, 
that you, you're aligned to them and taking time to consider them. It, I think it's a, an amazing exercise that everyone should do personally themselves, like every 12 months or, or less so. Really like that answer. What's the biggest sacrifice that you've made to get to where you are today? I honestly don't feel like I have made any sacrifices. I feel very... Like, I like to have opportunity. I really embrace opportunities. I embrace, you know, jumping into unknown and trying something new and, you know, trying something, maybe failing at it and then learning from it and applying it. So I, I wouldn't say that I've made sacrifices. If we're talking about work, I feel very, like, blessed. I'm, I know I've done, like, work myself, but the organisation that I've worked for, I've had a lot of opportunities, so... Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be able to say honestly, hand on heart, like I've made sacrifices for work. Great mindset. So, thinking about what's come out of the pandemic and how well-being is really at the forefront of a lot of organisation and, and individual people's agendas, could you talk to us about your relationship with your own well-being? What are the things that you do to protect and optimise it? Mm -hmm. Outside of work, I teach yoga. So, Do you? Yeah, I yoga is a massive part of my life, and I'm not just like I'm not just thinking of you know you see somebody rolling them out and doing movements like yoga in terms of meditation, stillness, knowing yourself. That was something that I've practiced for for years, and then loved it, wanted to understand more, and then I teach it. So for me, a huge part is it's it's meditation and movement and like connecting knowing knowing self and I do that yeah through all those things like consciously make an effort to be aware of how am I asking myself in the morning and I do this and people are like oh my god but like how am I and what is it that I need today and then you know before I deal with I've got this habit so every morning before I do anything for anybody else I always do something for me first I always stop and then it's just, I know I've started my day doing something for me because you can't pour from an empty cup. I say this all yeah. the time, you just can't. We we've, we see what happens and in the world of like how everyone's asking for everything so urgently or we're all so accessible 24 hours a day, you 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 find a self-respect in doing that and then it's actually, you know, I, that's me personally what I found where you, you kind of take your power back and like, what am I doing for me? Okay, everything else now. I feel ready and centred to go. Obviously, it doesn't work all the time. You know, we're human beings. But that's a huge part of my well-being is consciously making time for it, checking in. And we've embedded that. Like, I've been really purposeful in the company that I work for. So I'll go and deliver a development programme or I'm doing a session. I incorporate like breathing and finding stillness in sessions. That's and, so cool. I know, but some people don't think it is. When I'm like, right, we're going to do breathing. Everyone, and they're yeah. like, oh my God, what is she doing? Stop. It's a great way to change the energy in the room though as well, isn't it? Well, we go into meetings. How many times do we go into meetings? Ooh, and everybody wants to talk to everybody yeah. or talk over somebody. And it's coming from a good place, but we're not hearing what people are saying. For sure. It's like, let's just stop. Let's center. Let's let go of the call we've just had or the email we've just seen. And let's practice now, like being in this moment and also when somebody's talking, let's let them finish. And you can do that by simply taking a breath. And, it, you know, it calms our nervous system down. I could sit and talk about this for hours. But really, we're trying to align in with like culture, what we were talking about from a work perspective earlier, really trying to create that, that it's okay and it's not like hippie or 
to, to stop and breathe. And so I've done that. That's a massive part of mine and I could go into so much detail. And then honestly, like I'm just being, how I protect my well-being is I started therapy and it's been like the best thing that I have ever done. Brilliant. Not really knowing why I needed to do it. Okay. But again, I started this journey of like knowing self and working on myself and yeah, it's been incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm really brave of you to share that. So thank you. We tell everybody. Do you? I tell it because Love it. And then people are like, I think it's something that I'd like to do. I'm like, well, go and do it. I got you. Let me know. You know. And I'm a big believer in it. I think yeah. it's fantastic. I think it it doesn't necessarily give you answers, but I think it helps you come to your conclusions, mm -hmm. which is ultimately uh, you taking ownership, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, it's quite uncommon in, in the UK, but everywhere else it's a very natural normal thing to do and yeah. again i'm i like to be a bit of a disruptor and i, I like people to like em embrace or change what you know we perceive mm. isn't like okay and what isn't okay break those taboos that that are associated with it what subjects do you think we should be teaching the next generation in order to help prepare them for the workplace in the world regulation like thoughts emotional intelligence and then what links to that is self-regulation techniques understanding belief systems there's a whole list of things that i think that we need to be talking about at schools i've got like nieces and young nieces and nephews and i very much encourage that conversation like how are you feeling and i mean if you know stephen peters and the chimp paradox yeah, yeah. And then he did the the child's book. I don't know if you've ever heard. No, of that. I, I'm not aware of that. Okay. So he took his concept and he's created it in a in a book where they can get to know emotions and then they can do activities to work through them, have names for them. I think it, those things should be in schools where it's okay to feel sad and it's okay to feel anxious or because then in turn, ready for the next generation in work, it will make us more empathetic. It will make us accept people and work more collectively, collaboratively, open up more diverse and inclusive workspaces. It's It starts like with that piece and there's so many different facets that will then like feed from that building that more, you know, nicer. I nicer think that's, that's a great insight and it's actually the first time any of our guests have shared that with us. I agree with you and I'm also thinking about it from a context perspective because the world that we're living in now is that bit more isolated with things like hybrid working. So for example, if you're not going to interact with humans so regularly, even when you think about it from a dating perspective, you know, long gone, long gone are the days where you meet people in bars, it's done through apps now, you probably need to work harder at social awareness and self-awareness and be more conscious of it because you're not picking up and developing by osmosis if you're not in and around people quite as often. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I, yeah. I really like that. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I agree with you, yeah. Brilliant. What's your ultimate life goal? My ultimate life goal is, I don't know what it looks like, but I know, I know it's to help and serve others and create positive impact on people, on planet. Hence why like, I'm, I'm very lucky to work and have found the career path that I've found. I want to make a positive impact in the world. I want people to to remember how I made them feel and hopefully that was always better and inspire like new ways of thinking. And I always want to learn from people. So, people. 
How would you score yourself against that so far in terms of progress? I would just score myself. If 10 was like, I've achieved that, I would say I'm, I'm over five and I'm trying. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm always trying. And when it's all said and done, how would you like to be remembered? What do you want people to say about you? Like going back to what I just said, that people remembered how I made them feel and that she cared. I hope I made people feel happier. Like that's what we all want, right? Absolutely. Okay, so Beth, we've reached the quick fire round. Number one is what's something that you've achieved that you're proud of? I am really proud of my own decisions that I've made in life, where I'm currently at now, what I've done that were scary. Okay, what one word best describes you? Energy, <laughs> energetic. How did you react to your greatest failure? I have learned from my failures and even how I've reacted to them to try and respond to them. What is your biggest area of development? I am a big picture thinker and I like to be creative. I could probably be better with the detail. Okay. <laughs> what do you like most about yourself? That I am kind. Tell us about something that you're passionate about. Yoga. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Notice what you notice. Like it. And what's one book or podcast that you'd recommend to our listeners and viewers? So you probably think it would be a self-help book, but I'm going to go fictional because it's the best books I've ever read. And it's the Seven Sisters series by Lucinda Riley. Phenomenal. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been fantastic and I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast.